Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. All right, let's go to number four. I kind of gave you three negatives here, but I want to move into the positive now. So, okay, I'm not going to do all that competition. I'm going to get rid of my conceit. I'm going to stop criticizing. But what do I want to do now? I want to show consideration. So put that down. Show consideration. It says here, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, you see that phrase there? It says, look out. So it says, don't look at your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. Look out is a neat word in the Greek. The word comes from the word skopeo. Skopeo is a word now that we've taken from the Greek. It's gone through a lot of different languages, and now it pops up into English, and it's the word scope. So in other words, we want to scope it out. How many of you surfers out here, guys that surf, how many of you pulled up and you kind of went to the beach and you kind of scoped it out to see if the waves are big enough for you even to get your board off the rack? How many of you have ever done that? Would you raise your hand? Nobody? You just jump in anyway if it's flat or whatever? Man. All right. How many of you have scoped out, oh, this beach isn't any good? It may be up a little bit further. So you go that beach, you scope that out. It's called scoping it out. Now, there's a lot of other ways I could use the word scope, but I'm going to stop there. Let's talk about the military. The military now, on your, on your rifles, as I understand it, they have what is known, in, and not all rifles, but a lot of rifles, especially when you're a, uh, what's the word they call it? Sniper. I was trying to think of assassin, but sniper works better. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. And, and in that little scope you have, what do they have there in the center sometimes? Crosshairs? Do they have that anymore? You can tell how long I've shot a gun. Okay. All right. It has crosshairs there, right? And so what that's saying is that scope, you bring it down, it takes that object, it brings it closer, the crosshairs brings it to right where you want to shoot, right where you want to send that bullet. Now, I'm saying all that to say this simple truth. God uses in the inspiration of Scripture that same idea of scoping. He says, don't scope out your own needs. He says, what you need to do is to scope out the needs of others. Now, what's so cool about this is simply this truth. That when I think about who else has needs and I'm scoping them out, I cease my competition. Now I'm driven by they have a need. God called me to be a need meter. So I'm going to reach out to those people that have needs because I'm scoping them out. This is also what it implies. It also implies that a person may have needs, but we can't see them until we scope them out. So some of us are so busy at picking up all the trash of other people in relationships that we haven't polished and zeroed in and set our scope that we have not scoped out those who have needs. Now here's the difference between being an immature person and a mature person. A mature person can already assume a person has a need. And when they have a need, then we're going to be there. Let me give you an illustration of that and then I'll move to my, my, uh, my point here. Here's where we're going with it. Our economy in Hawaii is quite good, but it's quite possible that in the next year to 18 months, we're going to now see the mainland trickle-down effect through our own economy. Now, there are some reasons to think it might improve because of some Asian stuff that's going on that also spills into our economy that it doesn't necessarily often do a lot on the mainland. 
But I predict that it's quite possible, maybe probable, that there will be some businesses that will begin to scale down. We have already noticed that a lot of the mom-and-pop places, especially in Kali'i, have started to shut their doors. And so there's a few people that have been out of work now, probably into the hundreds, but not thousands. It is quite possible that in our community, you could be downsized. Some of you that are now riding so high in your nice new Lexus, it does not mean that you could not lose your job. All it takes is one hostile takeover. It could just take one major Scud missile that hits our economy, and this thing will begin to trickle down and have a problem. Now, I'm coming into why you need to be at least aware of the possibility. Should that happen, let's say that we have a guy in our church, and let's just give him a name. We're going to just call him Johnny. John, no, I'm not going to call him Christian. He's one of ours here. Johnny, all right? Johnny. Johnny now loses his job. He gets a pink slip on Friday. They had to downsize for whatever reason. Didn't do anything wrong, but the business is now having to release him. He's out, and he doesn't have a job. Now, for just a moment, those of you who are saying, I want to build relationships, and I don't want to tear them down, I learned that I need to scope out. Scope out means we need to be aware that when he loses a job, here's what goes through the mind of a man. And these men in here could speak to this. What goes through the mind of a man is this. The first thing that hits him is the feeling of inadequacy, that I fail. Men and their significance is attached to their jobs. When you go up to a guy, you don't generally say, hey, nice shirt you got. You know, we don't do that to other guys. What do we usually say? Hey, where you work? You know, and they'll tell you where you work because men are connected to where they work. Now he doesn't have a job. So now he thinks, hmm, I could be a failure. I'm really not. So he's wrestling with the inner tension. Now embarrassment sets in. Then he's got to notify his family, especially if this is the second time he's lost a job or maybe the third. And I'm not saying he's done things wrong. He doesn't have good character, good uh, work skills. Just life has been giving him a bad blow. So now he's at a point where he's embarrassed. He has to tell his wife. He has to tell his kids. He's worried about his kids because some of them have learned to live in a higher level of economy than what he's been now what he's able to provide. And so now he's thinking, what will they think? What will happen here? How will I be able to take care of this? And then I look at the island. I'm older now. Could I get another job somewhere else? Will they hire me? Will I have to move, sell my house? Could I sell my house? Where will I go? Who will have me? How will I tell the kids? Where am I going? And so here you've got little Johnny that's been at work, and now he is crashing and burning on the inside. But he comes to church with one of these. I'm doing okay. God's in control. No big deal. Everything's fine. But inside, he's just like rotten. And so it's going to take us who says, you know what, we're going to quit gossiping and talking about one another. It's not about our problems. We have a job. He doesn't. We need to love him. So scoping out is what need does he have and how can I really help him? So that's what we say we're going to show consideration. Now let me, scope, let me, let me aim your scope at someone for a moment. Are you okay so far? Is everybody all right? Okay, I'm, I'm, this, this scope is going to be really tough. I want to think for a moment with me, of the person that you have the most consistent argument with, the person right now in your life that you seem to be in a constant chronic conflict. Okay, let me pass the microphone around and have you tell me who that's with. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but let, think about it with me for a moment. In your mind right now, you know who it is. Who do you just seem to just kind of flip into a conflict with? All right, now here, here's what this verse says. Instead of being so quick to meet the needs of all the other fun people in your world that have a problem, this passage will take on greater meaning if you scope and you aim that scope at the person right now that you have chronic conflict with, and now what do you do? You show consideration to them. 
you watch out for that pride of conceit and you deal with that competition you're having with them. When you begin to do that, do you know what's going to happen? That, that conflict meter that's kind of in the red zone, that conflict meter is going to come right back into the green zone again. And so I'd like to encourage you to remember this phrase I've used so often. Kids, here it is. Hurting people hurt people. You've heard me say it almost every other week. Would you say that with me? Hurting people hurt people. So let's show some consideration to them. I know that this could be a real blessing to you if you do that. Now what it's going to do is you have to take, put on your thinking cap and see how can I really help them? How can I show consideration to my wife, to my husband, kids? How about your parents? Have you shown some consideration to your parents that you're in conflict? Now watch this, kids. I, I love you when I do this, and I'm going to speak to them in just a moment. But for you right now, don't show consideration because you want them to drive you to the mall. <laughs> See? You all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, and you know what that's called? That's not called showing consideration. You know what we call that in big people's language? Manipulation. And if you do that now, you're going to try to manipulate every relationship you have. And eventually, you're going to have a lot of stick relationships, but no concrete relationships. And it's because you've learned to manipulate through showing this kind of consideration because you did it to get rather than doing it to give with no thought of getting something in return. Now, for parents, boy, I'll tell you. Do you know where they learned how to do that? Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Okay? They've learned it from parents, the whole idea of manipulation. Because while I want to talk about eliminating all the negatives, I want you to remember that in order to do that, Satan, the, the bigger principle is this. You get out the demons, but if you don't add the good things in your life, more demons than got out will come back in its place. So while I do want you to eliminate that competition and that conceit and all that stuff... I also want you to know that immediately they'll put in your life consideration. Now watch. When you do this, relationships could be healed and it could take time. Some you'll never be able to heal with. But on the other hand, that you will have better relationships with more people and you'll get along better with them. And here's an illustration of someone who I don't know that had bad relationships, but I know that he put a character trait into his life that he now fleshed out in an activity that changed the course of an entire business. It's just a simple little story about a mentally challenged young man who was hired by the grocery store, and some grocery stores do that, but he wanted to touch people's lives, so all he simply did was find a little quote or a Bible verse and drop it in the bag of the different customers. People were so blessed by what he did that they would often go to the store to shop almost every day, and they would get in his lines, who he had the longest line, and then other people were so excited about what was happening in the store that in their departments, they found ways to show love to other people like flowers that were a little bit older and corsages that were a little bit more wilted but still had some life in them and would give them to people that had a special need. And so pretty soon the store was just booming with customers and it was just a simple little boy who did a simple little thing to add value to others. And may I tell you, that's what really helps to end conflicts, to do that. Now, I need to end on this last point because all of the rest is something you probably could get out of some good self-help books. But what you won't get out of a good self-help book is that it has its root in developing Christ-likeness, which is number five. You see, this passage that is so often debated on the hypostatic union and all that kind of stuff that you can read about, and you guys know what I'm talking about. While he did teach great truths in that, that great truth was to simplify something that was in for everyday life. 
And the everyday life was how to get along better with one another. So now he brings us right back to our premier example. So kids, I want you to look at this too. It's a long little section of scripture, but remember, everything is about how to get along better with one another. And here's what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to just underline that. This message is a good, feel-good message for some of you. Some of you, it'll be informative. Others of you, it might even be inspiring. But it will not transform you until you do business with this phrase when it says, let this mind be in you. Now, that's our word, repent. The word repent means to change your thinking. Some of you today that are still criticizing and you have a negative spirit about you and you're always kind of down on everybody, you've got to change your mind. We can come alongside you. We can love you. We can talk to you. We can wrap our arms around you. We can coddle you. We can nudge you to the truth. But unless you come to grips to say that you have broken a lot of relationships and there's a lot of people that put up with you, but they don't really like being around you very much. And you see people around you, but they're not really connecting deeply with you. Don't blame them. It's like that person who went to bed at night and he fell asleep and his wife then smeared Limburger cheese on his mustache. And he woke up in the morning and he says, boy, hmm, something stinks. You stink, wife. You stink. This bedroom stinks. This whole world stinks. And where was the Limburger cheese? His own mustache. And that could happen. And so the verse is, let this mind be in you. So that means whatever your mind is opposite from this, you have to embrace the mind of Christ. So here's where your root example is. So follow along. It says, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. What were the things that were in his life? His attitude was that he didn't demand his rights although he could have grasped and held on to them. He didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. Why? Look up here. Jesus was God. He could have gone all around the world saying, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God, and demanded it. When he needed to speak to who he was in authority, he would do that. But he very rarely did that. Certain people on the street would claim certain things about him. He never demanded who he was. He didn't like a robber steal that from God because he was God. And so he had his rights. And so some of you right now, instead of you touting, I am this and I am great, be like Christ. You are great. You do have great principles. You do have great uh, tendencies. You do have great character. You do have great influence. But don't demand the power of the title. Jesus didn't do that either when it wasn't necessary, so don't you. Number two, go on with the verse. It says this, but made himself of no reputation. That's hard to do because we're all trying to either protect, preserve, or promote our reputation. But he said he did the opposite. He didn't protect it, nor preserve it, nor promote it. He actually made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. What a great phrase. So what did he do here? He didn't empty out his deity, but he gave up his rights. So let me see if I can make the d- distinction between he didn't just demand his rights, he gave up his rights. Folks, 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 listen, listen. It's not that you're doing well because you don't demand what's going, your, what, what, what you deserve. You're doing better when you say, I'm not only not going to demand what's due me, but I'm going to give up what's due me. And so right now you might say, but it's my right to have this. I am the whatever, wife, pastor, parent, worker, boss, owner, team captain, whatever it might be. 
You might have that as a right, but now you're not only demanding your title, your position, your power, your influence, but you're actually giving it up and saying, you know what, it's not all about the different power struggles that I have. It's all about how can I serve others. I want to be like Jesus. He had no reputation. He gave it up and had no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a servant, the slave, the lowest of humanity at the time. And then number three, you can follow along. This is critical right here. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now look up here. So here he is. He's God. He chose not to demand himself as God. Stay with me. It's like a telescope opening up right now. We're opening up a telescope. Okay, it's like opening up a screen on your computer now. And different parts of the screen is telescoping out. So he says, I am God, but I'm not going to demand my role as God. Besides all of that, I'm going to give up my role as God and I'm going to prove it to you by having no reputation. And I'm not only going to take on the form of a man, of a human being, we might say, but I'm going to take on the form of a human being who is known as a slave. But not only that, I'm going to die before my time, but I'm not just going to die. I'm not going to have an old-fashioned heart attack or I'm not going to be hit by a racing chariot or something. He says, my kind of death is going to be different. I'm going to die a painful, shameful death. Say that with me painful, shameful death. So he says, I am God. I had all the riches of the heavenlies are mine, but I came to this earth. I made myself a nobody for you. Then I took on myself the form of a man and I died this painful, shameful death. That whole illustration is illustrating what it means to give up competition, give up conceit, show consideration, reach out to those that have a need. If you need an example, don't look to me as your example. I'm still learning how to do that with you folks. But all of us could look to the example of Jesus Christ. And since Christ is alive and he is in all those who trust in him, we all have the potential to be able to live this kind of life that we want to have and either heal broken relationships. And if we can't all heal them, we can at least not break more relationships that we have. But stay with me a little bit further because notice what God does. He did it with Christ. There was a lot involved in this, but this was so cool. He also did this. He exalted him. He says, therefore, God also highly exalted him after he died. And he gave him a name which is above every name, that of the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, of those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you will, look up here for a second. Again, this is so cool. I, I, I probably should re-preach this passage just so you can see what we're talking about in the hypostatic union and Christ being all God and then being man God and then dying and rising again. There's a lot of truth in all of that, but let me tell you what he's illustrating is not that truth. That is not your primary truth. That's an illustration of what those people in Philippi already knew. What he was saying is, remember what Jesus did for you on the cross, who he was? That's your example of how to have better relationships. And now let's go back to this. So if I'm using Christ as my example as the one who was all God, didn't demand himself as God, then he gave up his right as God, came to this earth, gave up his reputation, died and he, rose, he died a horrible, painful, shameful death, then God chose not to end the story right there. Now, we all know he rose again. Paul did not have to add that last little phrase there because they already knew that. They were all believers in Christ in Philippi. The reason he put that at the end there primarily was to let him know that just as Jesus gave up all of that, God still exalted Jesus. And so now he's telling the Philippian people, yeah, that happened to Jesus. But if you will humble yourself in your relationships, die to yourself, give up your rights, he says, here's what will happen. I will give you grace, First Peter says, and then I will exalt you. 
Now, you're not going to be God. Now, we cannot do his miraculous acts like walking on water. We cannot do his redemptive acts like dying on a cross and paying for the sins of mankind. But we all can do his character acts because the character of Christ lives within us. And God says to those of you in broken relationships, in the midst of conflict, if you'll quit conflicting yourself with other people by applying what you're learning today, your example is Christ. He says, I will exalt you. You may not be exalted on your job or in your youth group or on your, uh, your team or wherever it might be. God is not going to do that. But God says you will be exalted. And you know what? I would much rather have God exalt me than either me to exalt myself or to man without the, the um, sovereign act of God exalt me. I want God to do that. Do I hear an amen on that? So really our example is through Christ. So how do we do this? It all boils down to this. Those of you that are in conflict, I told you all about it, but it's only spoken to a special group of people, and they're called Christians. Now, it doesn't make them better. It makes them actually, these are Christians who are sinners who need Jesus Christ as their Savior. So look up here. Don't, don't be distracted right now. Look up here. When Jesus died on the cross, he says, I love you, those of you that have been in conflict. He says, the reason I love you, that you have been in conflict with me. You are my enemy. And I want to bring you to me. And so my son, Jesus Christ, is going to take all your sin, pay for it all, and I'm going to make you reconciled to me. You will no longer be my enemy. You will be my child. I will be your Abba Father. I will be your Lord. I have a purpose for your life. And he says, I'm willing to take all that away if you will merely go to my son, Jesus Christ, by faith alone. Don't come to me with your good works because then you're saying Jesus wasn't good enough. You have to help him out. You have to come as a broken person knowing that only Christ can help you. Now watch this. Once you heal your relationship with Christ, now Christ lives within you and now you can begin to heal your relationship with others. Those of us that might still be in a broken relationship with someone, number one, it could be that we haven't trusted Christ as Savior. Or it could be we have, but we have chosen not to allow the Saviorhood of Christ through that uh, we might call identified life with him, allow him to live his life out through us, and that's why we're having the problem. So the problem isn't the people that God allows to come into our life that we're in conflict with. Often he brings them into our life to reveal how much more we need to go to the source, which is Christ, to be stronger than those conflicts. I really love you folks, and I just pray right now that you would care enough about the relationships that you have that you want to take responsibility. Do not buy into Satan's marketing plan where Satan is telling you it's other people's fault. And don't worry about the overwhelming amount of guilt you might have right now where that you can see that people aren't as close. They haven't changed. Maybe you've changed. Maybe right now the Spirit of God loves you so much that he brought into your life a pastor who is willing to love you that much to tell you the hard things. And so right now celebrate the goodness of God and say that you don't have to live in that emotional, relational cesspool any longer. That you can pull yourself out of conflict by releasing your mind and having the mind of Christ. Instead of the mind of competition, I'm better, we're better, it would be better, get rid of that for a moment. Deal with the conceit that might be there. Only by pride comes contention. Yes, we're going to have contentious people in our life. There'll be people that'll get into our face. But a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer means I love you enough not to argue, not to fight. 
I love you enough that maybe it was my fault that caused the conflict, so I'm not so conceited. I'm willing to take responsibility for as much of this as I possibly can. Maybe it's criticizing. You're esteeming yourself better than others instead of esteeming others better than yourself. So value the other people that are in your life. If you've experienced a setback right now, a setback and a set aside does not mean that you can't be put back in the game. So those of you that have felt that way in a relationship, you can get back in the game with your mate. You can get back in the game as a parent. You can get back in the game on a job. You can get back in the game in a club or a committee or a team or a group. You can get back in the game in a relationship with someone. It's not over. Start showing some consideration, but don't do it to get. Do it because you're godly, and God would do that through Christ. And so you're going to be Christ-like now because if Christ did it for you, when we were the ones in conflict with him and we received his forgiveness, then we can do that to others. And we're going to do that as individuals in this church to everybody who's around us. And the byproduct will be better single relationships, better marriages, better families, better places of work, better churches. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.